you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is, who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she has loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Let me tell you about a lady in our community. This lady, she she started drugs when she was only 15 years old. She became a heroin addict by the time she was 20. She became a prostitute and she lived this lifestyle for 15 years. She was a thief. She was a liar. She hurt her family, especially her children. She could just never break this cycle, this cycle of addiction. And she had multiple overdoses that landed her in hospital. Until one day she met a doctor who told her to go to church. And she did. And as she came in through the door, she began to weep. She wept. 
Because she saw these people who, who, who she'd never seen before just have this deep peace and joy. She had never encountered anything like this. They were different. And why? Why were they this way? Because they had great love for Jesus. He was their joy. He was their peace. And he, they had this, this love that was just infectious and they just couldn't contain it and keep it in. Let me ask you a question. How much do you love Jesus? How much do you love Jesus? Now, for some, this might evoke a, a, a response similar to these people because you are forgiven. Jesus is your greatest love. You've had a transformation in your life, He is your Savior. But for other people, Maybe this is confronting because Jesus, maybe you just don't love him. Or maybe you do and you just don't have that same affection as you used to. Or as we heard in the reading, today we are exploring another encounter with Jesus. And in this encounter, we're going to meet two characters, the sinful prostitute and the self-righteous Pharisee. And my hope and, and my prayer is that you would encounter Jesus' love and forgiveness today. It doesn't matter whether you lived a rebellious life or a religious life. We all need His grace and His forgiveness. And what this text will show us what this text will show us is that from much love comes from much forgiveness. Let me say that again. Much love comes from much forgiveness. Well, we're going to look at this story in two parts. In part one, the Pharisee and the prostitute. Read with me in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him and went into his house and reclined at table. Picture the scene that, that Jesus is dining with a Pharisee. Now, this, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Unless we know the context. Who are the Pharisees? Well, the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders of the day. They were the ones who would strictly obey the, the rules and the regulations. They were often portrayed as self-righteous and hypocritical. And Jesus meets one and has a meal with him. But what's interesting is, is why Luke positions this story here in his gospel. Because you see that, that throughout chapters 5 and 6, Jesus is accused by the Pharisees. He's accused by them of, of blasphemy for forgiving the sins of a paralytic. He's accused of them for, for breaking the laws of the Sabbath, for, for healing a man with a withered hand, and for his disciples plucking the heads of grain. And then we get to chapter 7 and Jesus, he acknowledges this and he acknowledges how the Pharisees have rejected the plans and purposes of God. Then Jesus meets this Pharisee. 
Now, we don't know a whole lot about him, but we do know his name is Simon. And Simon was a pretty common name in the first century. And Simon lives in Galilee and he invites Jesus around for a meal. Now, perhaps Simon is curious, uh, as we'll see in a moment. He, he might think that, you know, Jesus is this, this prophet and he wants to see if that's true. So he invites him around to have a meal. Now, it was, it was pretty common back then for other people to be there around the meal and for people to walk in and, and hear the conversation. You know, meals back then were much more public than they are today in the West. Doors were open and people would come in and go as they please. And we meet another character in verse 37. A woman of the city who was a sinner. When she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, she brought in an alabaster flask of ointment. Now the phrase used here is a euphemism for a prostitute, a sexually immoral woman. And when she hears that Jesus is here, she comes in and brings in an alabaster, uh, an alabaster flask. Now, an alabaster flask was, was a jar that was made of soft marble. It didn't have any handles and it had a long, thin neck. And when you wanted to use the contents inside, you needed to break it. And what was inside this? It was ointment or more precisely, perfume, fragrant, costly perfume. And the story continues and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. What a moving scene. What a moving scene. This sinful woman standing behind Jesus at his feet. She weeps. She wets his feet with her tears. She wipes them with her hair. She kisses them and she anoints them with perfume. Now, you've got to understand that in the first century, feet were pretty dirty. You know, they didn't wear shoes or socks like us today. In fact, their roads were dirt. They weren't concrete or bitumen. And they shared them with animals and you can imagine what they left behind, right? So feet were filthy. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't say I love dirty feet. I don't have a phobia of feet, but I do confess that I love clean floors. In fact, when my daughter was a baby, I got my first cordless vacuum cleaner. And uh, since then, really, I love to come home and vacuum the house. There's nothing wrong with that. I love clean floors. There's nothing more satisfying for me than to walk barefoot all over the house and not stepping on Lego or, or toys or dirt or, or scraps of food. My wife, she thinks I'm OCD, but really, I just love the satisfaction of that. So what's remarkable to me in this story is that the, this woman, she uses her tears and she uses the perfume to wet Jesus' feet, his dirty feet. And then she wipes them with her hair. 
this, this scene is, is somewhat symbolic and symbolic of this woman's life. The dirt and the filth, the sin that is in her life is being wiped clean. She's clearly broken. She's a sinner. But her tears are not just tears of sorrow, but of joy, of love and gratitude. You know, it's hard for us to imagine a scene like this today. But how would you respond? Would you respond with compassion or with disgust? Let's see how Simon responds. He said, he said to himself, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who or what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. We heard in last week's story and, and Jesus' encounter with, the, with uh, the, the widow's son at Nain. And after that, uh, the people, they glorified God saying, surely there's a prophet who is among us. Now this news of Jesus spread, which is most likely, as I said before, why Simon invited him to his house to dine with him. Yet Simon is doubtful. Why would a prophet allow a prostitute to touch him like this? He's disgusted. He's revolted by her actions. And Jesus, surely he doesn't know who this woman is. Therefore, he is not a prophet. And Jesus, he responds to Simon. Verse 40, Jesus answered him. Jesus answered him. But just, just a second ago, we read that, that Simon, he was thinking these thoughts to himself. He didn't vocalize his words. He was talking to himself. You know, what irony is that? Simon accuses Jesus of, of, of not being a prophet, yet Jesus is the one who knows what Simon is thinking. He shows his omniscience. Not only does Jesus know who Simon is, he knows who this woman is. He knows her. And he answers Simon's thoughts. Now, before we look at Jesus and what he has to tell Simon, I just want you to sit there for a moment. Jesus, he knows the prostitute. Jesus knows the Pharisee. Jesus knows you. Jesus knows you. He knows who you are. He knows what you've done. He knows your thoughts and your desires. He knows what trials and troubles that you're facing right now. He knows whether you're angry whether you're anxious or whether you're scared or fearful, Jesus knows you. 
Now, if you don't know him, that's probably quite a scary thought. But if you do, please take great comfort in this, that Jesus knows you. He knows your past, He knows your present, and He knows your, your future because Jesus is the great prophet. Jesus is the Saviour. He is Lord. He is God Himself. Jesus knows you. What about you? Do, do, do you know Jesus? This leads us to part two, the parable. Well, Jesus responds to Simon and he tells him this parable. He says, A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now, which of them would love him more? And Simon, he answered, the one, I suppose, for whom cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Jesus tells a story about debt. Two people, one who owed 500 denarii to a moneylender and another who owed 50. Now, a denarius was about a day's wages. So what we're talking about here is, is almost two years worth of wages versus two months worth of wages. And what's remarkable is that, that despite the amount owed, they, they both had an inability to pay and the moneylender cancels the debts. He cancels them. Now, in, in, in Australia, we're no strangers to debt. In fact, last year, we had $20 billion in credit card debt. $20 billion. When I was 18, I got my first credit card. Uh, I thought, you know, why not? The bank called me up or sent me a letter and offered it to me, and I felt privileged, so I got one. It was only $2,500, thankfully. But the thing is, I could just never seem to repay it back. I always had that debt looming over me and I always made an excuse or had some sort of emergency where I needed to depend upon it. In fact, it took me almost 10 years to get rid of that debt. And when I finally did, I felt this, this overwhelming sense of freedom. You know, this weight had been lifted off me. So it's no surprising uh, in this story, when Jesus asked this question and he says, who will love me more? The answer is obvious, right? Which is probably why Simon responds, oh, I suppose, you know, the one who had the larger debt. Of course, of course, it's the one with the larger debt. Simon's being sarcastic, a bit of a smart aleck. Come on, Jesus, you know who. It's obvious. But imagine the reality of that. Imagine more than just the two and a half grand debt. Imagine 50 grand or 100 grand or 200 grand debt on your credit card. And then imagine just the bank calling you up one day and saying, Sir, I have some good news. 
There's been a credit in your account. You no longer are in debt. Could you just imagine that, that, that gratitude and that love and that feeling that you would experience in that moment? It would be immense. You know, this parable that Jesus teaches here is, is quite simple, but the implications are profound. They're profound. To have a debt of any kind cancelled, let alone one of, of this much worth, what Jesus does next is really striking. He, he talks to Simon. He says, Simon, you see this woman? Of course he does. Well, you know what, Simon? I, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she was wet my feet with tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Jesus is exposing both their hearts, the Pharisee and the prostitute. And Jesus, he says that Simon didn't offer to clean his feet. If the woman, she cleaned them with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. Simon, he didn't offer to give him a kiss, but this woman, she has not stopped kissing his feet. Simon did not anoint his head with oil, yet this woman, she has anointed his feet with expensive perfume. Simon shows lack of hospitality and honour towards Jesus. The woman, she shows great gratitude and extraordinary love. Why? Why does she respond this way? It is because of verse 47. Therefore, I tell you her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who has forgiven little, loves little. The woman, she loved much. She is the one with the larger debt in this parable. The Pharisee loved little. He is the one with a smaller debt. Both debts were cancelled. Both owed Jesus love and gratitude. Yet the woman, the sinful woman, is the only one who responds to him this way with even greater love. And in verse 48, Jesus speaks to her for the first time in this story and He says, your sins are forgiven. What powerful words. Your sins are forgiven. To hear this from your Saviour. Well, the verb here, forgiven, is in the perfect tense. Now, I failed English, so I'm thankful for people who are smart and who write commentaries. And they tell me that the perfect tense means that something that happened in the past with continuing effect. In other words, this woman had already been forgiven. She had been forgiven. This was not likely her first encounter with Jesus. She didn't perform these acts of gratitude and love to, to earn her forgiveness. It wasn't the cause of her forgiveness. No, it was because of her forgiveness. She was already forgiven and she responds in love. Her actions are evidence of this. 
she, she, uh, so Jesus' words here affirm her forgiveness. He knows this woman and he forgives her. And the story ends after this uh, as the, the, the other guests in the house begin to question who Jesus is and, 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 and the authority the, that he has to forgive sins. Yet he doesn't address them. He looks at the woman and addresses her and says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. There is nothing that she had done except believe in Jesus, the Savior. He is the one who forgives. He is the one who offers peace. He is the one who cancels debts. The woman believed Jesus. She understood just how much forgiveness she had received and she responds with much love. So let me ask you, how much do you love Jesus? Well, remember the woman that I shared about at the beginning lived a life of addiction. She had a huge debt, a huge debt. And one Sunday she told her pastor about her story and her pastor uh, said that he'd pray for her and brought a few other people. They laid their hands on her and they prayed for her. And this woman, she'd begun to shake she felt this overwhelming sense of forgiveness. It, is, it, it had been as if uh, her, her, she was bound in chains and they had been broken free. She had felt this inner peace and inner joy in her life. Freedom because she believed in Jesus. And since that moment, her life has not been easy, struggling with sin and addiction but she knows that she is forgiven and she lives uh, in thankfulness to God and His goodness and faithfulness to her. Her debt is cancelled. She is forgiven and set free. Well, maybe your story is like hers. You know, maybe you had this uh, massive transformation, this radical transformation in your life. And that's a beautiful thing. And like the prostitute in this encounter with Jesus, you'll experience God's grace in, in such a unique and profound way. But my guess, my guess is that most of us, most of us, our story is more like the Pharisee. You know, I, might, I know that my, my story is... In fact, I grew up in a Christian family and my dad was a pastor. There was never a day or a moment in my life that I did not know Jesus. And while I'm so thankful for that, and I desperately want that for my children, the temptation for me is that I would live a religious life and look down upon my, my rebellious sister thinking that I'm better than her. You know, why do I need forgiveness? I haven't sinned as, as nearly as much as her. My sin is not as, as great as hers. And this, 
this can lead to a lack of repentance, of, of self-righteousness, of, of, of a, a life which uh, is works-based salvation. I lack empathy. I lack gratitude. I lack love for Jesus. And this just pierces my heart. It's confronting. And a convicting that I'm no better than her. You know, I, I, I need God's grace. Now, I don't want you to feel guilty or just kind of wallow in your sin. Rather, I just want you to grasp the debt that you owed. Grasp the debt that you owed and what it took Jesus to cancel it. Dwell upon that. Ponder that. But don't stay there. Know that Jesus cancels your debt and that you can respond to Him in love and gratitude. We all have a debt. We all need God's grace, whether you are more like the the, the prostitute or the Pharisee, but live in a confidence knowing that Jesus cancels debts. If you're, a, if you're not a Christian, then I want you to, to, to really know that Jesus can forgive you. Jesus paid your debt. Jesus took the death that you deserved. He, he died upon the cross and defeated the enemy. He defeated death and Satan and sin. And He rose victorious over all of this as Lord and Saviour. There is no debt, uh, there is no sin that is too great for Him. He will cancel your debt and He offers you forgiveness. But if you are a Christian, then I want to remind you that Jesus has forgiven you. Don't be a fool and, and give in to the, the sin of forgetfulness or unrepentantness. Remember the debt that Jesus has cancelled and that He has forgiven you and the transformation occurred in your life. And let that stir in you a love and affection for Him like never seen before. Let that bring you to your knees and your hands as you weep before the feet of Jesus. You know, we all need God's grace. We all need a Saviour. We are all in debt to Him. But Jesus cancels debts. Let me conclude by asking you another question. And I'm going to rephrase it this time. How will you respond? How will you love Jesus this week? How will you love Jesus this week? Will you remember the, the, the debt that you owed and embrace the love and, and forgiveness that He offers? Will you respond to Him with gratitude and a life of service to Him? Will you love Jesus greatly this week? We all need his help. So let's turn to him now in prayer.
Jesus, thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for cancelling our debts, for paying that penalty on the cross for us. May we grasp this weight, uh, the weight and significance of this, and grasp the significance of what you've done for us. Well, let that move us in love and gratitude towards you. Stir our hearts with affection for you. Pray this in Jesus, in your powerful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.